2008 was a year that will live in infamy for many business professionals and people of a certain age. It was a year the effects of which still reverberate around the world even to this day. Our next guest is Terry Bell of Bell & Company and also of EU Property Solutions, who was not only in the trenches when this was going on, but he was also on the front line dealing with bankers, lawyers, investors and worried members of the public. If you value straight talking, sensible, useful advice on property in Europe, insolvency, debt restructuring and debt resolution, then we'll be right back after the introduction. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Coke, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film and a favourite single or album and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at the Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. The Cashflow Show, coming to you from the city of London, real people, real business, real talk. Hello Terry and welcome to the Cashflow Show. Thank you very much, Clayton. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I'm really pleased to have you join us on the show today. How would you describe your role at Bell & Company and at EU Property Solutions? I'm deemed to be the chairman, which is rather grand, but it is my role. We've developed a great team here and my job is essentially to keep them all on track, keep them developing as individuals and then making sure we always do the very best for our clients with, with the various products we have. That's it, in simple terms. We are talking about two companies here, Bell & Company and also EU Property Solutions. Mm. But obviously they are intertwined and they are effectively sister companies. So let's take Bell & Company first. In your book, you describe Bell & Company as being debt strategists. Yes. How would you describe that to someone you've just met over a pint of Guinness? A debt strategist, uh, essentially, we're looking at a situation where everybody's circumstances are completely different. Various principles apply in insolvency and or to a fair degree of litigation. And our job is to get the best commercial outcome for the client. And that may even include bankruptcy, which a lot of people recoil from, but bankruptcy can be one of the best commercial tools available. The, the, the amount of sort of legacy debt, whatever you want to call it, that can be rid of in one go is incredible. Other situations, but it's not for everybody, but it's definitely something we we look at because we very often work on the basis of know the worst and then achieve the best. And what we do do, we cut through, put through my parlance, but all the BS and straight commerciality. And that's what it's all about. You refer to your hashtag, know the worst, achieve the best. How did that come about? Everybody deals with debt differently. I've had clients that had tens of millions of pounds of debt and they live with it through to a simple not being classes here that we once actually for a street cleaner on a pro bono case and he was in bag way with a, a mentally with a fifteen thousand pound halifax loan so every case is completely and utterly different and it's it's the attitude you take it's where some people go uh, i can't go bankrupt i can't go bankrupt and we'd say right we, that may cost you a hundred thousand pounds to resolve then suddenly they'll go bankrupt. Getting to the bottom, but that's where where the nuggets are that let you get the best strategy 
in any case. In terms of bankruptcy, that's mentioned, or you've mentioned that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Is that an area that you deal with heavily at Bell & Company? Very much so. It's been, it's been stalled, obviously, COVID, and quite rightly, the provisions brought in by the government to give people a chance to get through the difficult trading period, etc. It's going to become more and more prevalent as we go forward. And it is, as I say, an amazing tool. One thing that clients very often don't understand is that if a creditor says they're going to bankrupt you, thinking they're going to get paid out quickly or they'll lose their house on the same day, is their, their, their fallacies, their misnomers. If a, if a creditor bankrupts somebody, they lose complete carriage of the case because ultimately an independent trustee will be appointed and that's a different day's work. Uh, it, it's crazy, sounds crazy, but bankruptcy is a brilliant commercial. Just use of the word having no fear of it, because you can bounce back from those sort of things. Mm. It's very interesting. I suppose maybe most people's idea of bankruptcy is very much tied to that Dickensian, you know, that guy's, I'm going to be made bankrupt, I'll be ruined, I'll be ruined, you know, that kind of sort of drama, if you like, of, of bankruptcy. Yeah, if, if you're an entrepreneur, particularly, things can go wrong. COVID, for goodness sake, look what it's done, it's literally flipped the world. We've, we've clients that had great businesses before. Jet Charter Company, that's, you know, they still can't recover from it because of the legacy debt they took on. You need to be aware of it, but it's how you use that commercially to recover from it. It's there, it's there to protect you from your creditors. Or on the flip side, if they think you've got assets and you won't give them up, then they'll look to say, right, the only course of action available is bankruptcy. I always say debt isn't the sexiest subject, but if you bring bankruptcy into the room and you don't have the fear and the other side can't smell fear, different ballgame. So it's the tactics of getting embroiled in it as well. You may get blackballed from a golf club for a year, uh, whatever stupid social attitudes you have in that sense. It's a commercial transaction. Fascinating for me because I'm slightly on the other side because obviously I, I'm a director of PRMS and we, we recover debt. And what's fascinating, fascinating hearing from your side of, of the fence is that my side is always slightly different because I'm dealing with clients who basically have provided goods or services to someone. And bankruptcy doesn't come up very often. It's not something that we as a business pursue heavily because we know there is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for the most part. So we always suggests that there are other ways of resolving that and just basically opening up a dialogue. But do you think that the availability of bankruptcy has made people very reckless? As an as a overall no, overall no. And I take on board, I don't, I don't say let's use bankruptcy to worsen the creditor's position or knock the creditor. It's not a flaggy convenience, but if, if somebody's pushing you down that road or you simply genuinely can't deal with the debt, then you've got to avail yourself of bankruptcy. You're still a negotiation process, but very often, uh, and I'll be slightly uh, rude to our legal friends, they see it for uh, the, the route of bankruptcy, statutory demand, et cetera, et cetera, as a big fee-earning route. But we often, we often say to them, be careful what you wish for here, right? Uh, because, and, if solicitors sometimes get carriage of a case, it's a different ball game again. But we have to do what we have to do for our clients. Very rarely we say you need to go bankrupt. We say if you want to look at all the options, we'd give advice. We'd look at an IVA, uh, but there are so many uh, 
so many but we, we look if we can work it through if we can work it through and the client says i, I want to pay my credits cool but you, you may not be able to that desire may be taken away from you from one errant creditor they might say could be the revenue when they change their tag which they're starting to do we've both roughly been around long enough when the hmrc they had first dibs is the best way to describe it on debt as as a business going down and insolvency and then that was deemed to be unfair and so everybody could have a crack at whatever debtor had monies outstanding and then suddenly they found themselves back again hmrc as preferential creditors absolutely conveniently enough which it is an interesting concept because if you add making tax digital uh, into that mix so they can see exactly how much money goes in and goes out yeah effectively a monthly stroke quarterly basis it's quite an interesting time for hmrc because obviously in your experience do you find that they push heavily hmrc that is heavily for bankruptcy proceedings they're usually, uh, and this is in a derogatory sense, they're usually quite slow in whatever they do. But if they get it in their head, as they very often call clients, companies, whatever, persistent offenders, delinquent debt, when you've got a big lump thereof, they're very stayed in their way. And they also forget, which I've fallen out many times with them, that they're actually there to perform a job for the chancellor, which is to maximise the recovery of the monies, monies owed. Um, and they're, they're, as you say, their new powers of being preferred creditor again are changing the corporate insolvency landscape in terms of CVAs because they have the, the power vote. And uh, again, they have those stances where if the, you don't fit there the way you, they think you should have conducted yourself and you, you let yourselves down in their eyes, they're not going to vote for it. Administrations and liquidations as well, they, they, they're mopping up a lot. And to be honest, I think it's right for the time that they do have those powers because we've got to we've got to sort of start getting a bit better at the recovery attacks, especially post-COVID, because that ain't gonna pay for itself. Not at all. But what I find fascinating about HMRC is is that they negotiate with big players, but punish small players. It can seem like that, but sometimes that is down to the quality and level of, of advice. Ah, okay. And or say you've got a big company there, somebody you can get, we've seen it, sorry, political sway. If you've got, say, a one, there may be, there are very good one man band and one woman bands accountants out there, but if you've got a pretty sort of guy who's got, I don't know, 100 clients and he's balancing everything every day, he's not going to give it as good a representation as, say, one of the big fours who'll come up with a wonderful scheme and know somebody further up the food chain, everything else. It's, I think a lot of that's a dad's representation. And also people, when they give advice, as in every part of insolvency, they are qualified to give that advice. Indeed. Too many professionals, to my mind, feel they have to give the air of knowing what they're talking about rather than actually knowing what they're talking about. Indeed. Indeed. So we need to go back a bit because we've obviously dropped our audience, the cash flow crew, we've dropped them right in the middle of, uh, of where you are at the moment. So how did you start? Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming that you started Bell & Company first before EU Property Solutions. Yeah. We were talking about this the other day, many moons ago, and you quite rightly referred to a pint of Guinness then, I think I've told you before, <laughs> one, of my, one of my skills in life. Uh, but it was, it was in a pub when a client had gone into liquidation, doing sort of management consultancy stuff, 
And we just got into a bit of negotiation with NatWest. Remarkably, they rolled over, God bless them at that time, quite easily. Then I got into how debt generally works, uh, the processes, very importantly, the emotions involved in debt. You get all sorts of emotions in there. The guilt, you get a lot of people that currently are in denial, things like that. It's been a long path, right? maybe I'm a bit slow in the uptake. Even when we really got going in 2008, as you referred to there, in the financial crash, it, it just sort of where we are in Northern Ireland, it just grew because the Irish, North and South, took a hell of a wallop. And then over time, we developed a team. The economy's got better, but still things go wrong in business. It can be self-imposed. It can be outside influence. And it could be litigation. It could be anything. So we've developed along with time. And now, unfortunately, as uh, inflation takes a grip of the, to my mind, the economy is on a bit of a slip here. We're, we're going to be busier and busier. And we've, got a, we've got a great team now, 21 people. That's a whistle-stop tour, but it's just learning as we go along. Just keep going at it. Keep going at it. I noticed a couple of things that you said there. And one of the first things that intrigued me was about the emotions regarding debt. Because Mm -hmm. I always say to people that in the work that we do at PRMS, for example, a lot of it is psychology. Absolutely. A lot of the whole process that we deal with is psychology, emotion management, mediation, all of these things that really have hardly anything to do with the actual debt or the outstanding invoice or the late payment, but all about how people feel about money and how people feel about debt. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very, very powerful. I mean, I don't know about you, my business is much for, more debt facing per se. And as, as soon as I say anything to do with that, people literally, I don't, maybe it's me, I don't know, maybe I need to change my aftershave or something. People just sort of tend to dive into the toilet or something, you know, because... Yeah, there's it, it, a mix though, isn't it? You, you, you alluded to the you know, Victorian times and they were debtor prisons. Yes. You know, and, stuff like that. and you still get some people, you know, they're very high and mighty. And in the, in the main, I suggest they haven't been... It goes with the territory with any business. That's our primary market, SME and property speculators. It go, you know, go. You can be property speculation. You can be, you know, you could buy a field and it could be the best thing ever. Versus you can go in and pay miles too much for a city centre spot. It goes with the territory. The emotion you're right about the psychology because how everybody deals with it. The, the example I was giving earlier was there was a man. I was talking to the street cleaner because we used to do some pro bono work with Belfast City Council here with debt pressures and he owed his 15,000 and uh, the doctor at the time asked me please to call whilst he was there to make sure it was all right. The same evening, I was in the bar catching some dinner later on with my wife and we bumped into a man, I think at the time he had about 37 million and he, he, was, he, he was more worried about the fact that his chips were cold with his steak. <laughs> and it, it, I always remember it. It was, hello, sorry, these chips are bloody freezing. What is this case out here? They sort these chips out. And uh, our business came, oh, well, that bank's still shouting away, but hey, what do you do? Uh, we can take a drink, and I'm fine, thanks, Kevin, let's go. But it is that swing and all the emotions in there, the behind closed doors, the matrimonial massive pressures that come with it, the, the local, uh, your local standing and all this sort of stuff, right? It, 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 it can hit people really badly. But let me tell you, I'm not a great buy into, we get a lot of people that play the mental health card, mm. right? And of course, I have experience of severe depression in, in my immediate family 
and the current use of the medical mental have to be careful here the mental health card it's affecting my mental health mm. if you're sad about it <laughs> if you're not do so we can't help you you need to go and get proper medical attention and very the number of times people reflect no no but i want to get this sorted and if your mental health is affected by this go and get it sorted so it's 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 a very complex area that you could the psychology of it is is immense, it's like your side of the fence and our side of the fence. Oh, definitely. I think the what problems that people experience, I think I saw somewhere something like 25% of people who are running business, and we're both in the same arena of mm -hmm. SMEs, 25% of those people just won't sleep at night, literally won't Absolutely. sleep at night. And as you said, the strain that it puts on relationships, because that's what people don't do, because we've all often discussed on this show how certain things, I, I noticed the people that come to you, would you say that it's mostly men or mostly women? Mostly men, but we know, for instance, we've done some research on this, if somebody's under pressure and they think they're how, their home's under pressure, we know it's women. Yes, yes. Research so, so, so that, right? Yes. The yeah. husband, because the husband, they, they get the old school, I don't know, I've got everything covered, love, sort of guy, right? Don't worry about it, I've got it covered. She'll be the one that, not that darling, she'll be the one Googling, can I lose my house? Exactly. On, uh, a personal guarantee. Yes. I'll add, if I may, to that, Clayton, right? We did a bit, the team the other day, which is quite a risky thing, but I think it worked, was ask me anything. Have you done one of those? Oh, no, I've never done one of those. Oh, yeah, 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 it's good. Yeah, no, it's good. But, but what they did is, what's the best thing about running your business, which is having your own business, right? So they said, I gave them an answer on that. That wasn't the question. They said, what's the worst thing about having your own business? And I said, it can be, and I've heard this before, and it just resonated, it can be incredibly lonely. And if you are in a lonely position and you've got debt pressure, you're in a bad place. Yes, very true. Very true. And I think, to be honest with you, most of these entrepreneurs, and that would include me, I think when you're trying to achieve something, only you know what that vision is. Absolutely. Only you can see it fully formed. And I think most of the people that you meet, you know, we get together, we have a lot of networking events in London and people get together and you see people and you build relationships. But it is quite a lonely task. It's, it's a mission that you take on and a responsibility that you take on. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the... The, the journey is a very harsh one. And if you've got a problem, unless you build that support network around you, both personally and professionally, it can be very hard work. Very much. And that takes some doing as well, because you're, you're not taught that when you start a business, everything's going to be great. You get your first contract worth a hundred grand. It's going to make you 30 grand. You know, there is more than you earn as a salary, whatever the numbers are. Yes. And every guy is a friend of mine as well. I said, why the bloody hell did you sign that joint and several personal guarantee? And he's like, I said, did you talk about it at the beginning? He said, well, that's a bit like talking divorce on a first date. <laughs> you just don't do it. We're going to, and you've got to be massively positive. And people, uh, and I suggest particularly in England with, from my Northern Irish bias, uh, bias where we are, I haven't seen bad times. And it's, it, it, it's, it's a massive hit to everything, your ego, your relationships, everything. A lot of people don't want to ask questions. I know many people that have signed personal guarantees and they've just managed to resolve the situation by the skin of their teeth. But that mm -hmm. very welcoming bank or that very welcome peer-to-peer -peer lender or whatever, they were cool until you couldn't pay. I'm sorry. And I think that's where the problem lies.
Very difficult. From our perspective on that, we, not that we go for moral high ground. We say we've got a client, we've got a lender, right? We're obviously acting the client. Our genuine moral compass, if you like, is you shouldn't have borrowed it, you shouldn't have lent it, let's sort it out. Yes, yeah, yes. You, we've got a personal guarantee, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Okay, you will, but you won't get what you can do if you start to talk to us and be a bit civil with it. And then your solicitors arrive and da 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 da, da. But the same premise applies right through. And if we have the money, if somebody comes and says, oh, I owe 100 grand, but I've got 500 grand, we go, pay them. <laughs> we don't do chances. We help people that have that problem. And again, it's seeing where they are psychologically, whether they can deal with it. I know at least one case where the guy didn't, and the best advice was go bankrupt and you won't have six problems, you'll have one problem. Exactly. Big, big problem, we've got to fight for your house, but hey, let's do it. We've got a saying at PRMS, is that we help the needy, not the greedy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. Obviously, you've now started up Bell and & Company, and that's going and moving along swiftly. Mm-hmm. Now, your sister company, EU Property Solutions, mm-hmm. that's formed out of the 2008 crash. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, absolutely. And so how did that come about? When did you suddenly put your pint of Guinness down and then realise, hold on, property in EU, this is an issue. Mm-hmm. I need to look at this. Have you ever watched that film? I think it's called The Long Short. Oh, it's a brilliant film. Yeah, the, cra- the crazy money was around. It's everywhere, absolutely everywhere, right? Everybody was a landlord. Everybody had buy to let. We always used to say, so you'd, take, so you'd have your home, you had a good lump of equity, you took that out of there and bought a couple of buy to lets, and then if you really wanted to mess it up, you, you bought somewhere abroad as well. Living the dream, living the dream. <laughs> and the most awful, I don't care if they sue me tomorrow because it's my client, the most awful thing that went on in Spain particularly, but as well as Cyprus, was the availability of mortgages from English banks who were out there at the time. Mm. They were in cahoots with the developer, they were in cahoots with every, everybody, everybody was uh, at the trough. And Cyprus is, is, is like the Wild West. So it's usually that, oh, yeah, and then I've got a pro- I've got that property that's in the area, I've got that, and I've also got something in Spain, Cyprus, uh, or the back end of Ireland, right? You go, right, why did you buy that? Because I could. And undoubtedly, they were crazy, crazy value. Some of them, I think our sort of percentage drop-wise, we saw a man that bought something for 260, and it was worth 45 at the end. Uh, and there were some very, very unscrupulous. Uh, not many people got you know, hauled into court about it, but some shocking developers and some shocking promoters. And they're all there together, the banks, etc. cetera. Uh, anyway, so that grew up and started going, all right, okay, then we'll have a look here. So we've got a bit more involved in it. And we, 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 we've developed uh, some great legal teams, which you have to have in these countries, but good, good legal teams in. And just developed it out there. And we found ways of dealing with the banks. And the banks, weirdly out there, like us because we do things. We've had, we've had quite a few compliments for, uh, 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 for, I'm not going to say the names. Some of them still don't like us, but I don't think they really like themselves. So that's their problem. Uh, so we, we just say, right, well, you sold this. And if you want a punch up, you can do but you need to do it. So our job is to keep it in the country it started and say, right, what do you want to do? We need to throw money at the legals or give it to you. What do you want to do? And there's, there's various other tactics and uh, methods we have in terms of, again, getting clients to understand they have a problem. Let's, you want to alleviate it. There is going to be a cost in terms of fees and or you might be giving the bank something here. But we, we, our job is to minimise their, their, their financial exposure. From yes. What was a bad decision? Yes, without a doubt. And sometimes that's that's the problem. I mean, I have the same conversation with my clients. Effectively, I say to them, listen, 
you know, if you go down this particular route, you are going to be exposed to costs. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, is that if you want to be exposed to that, then let's play. But if you don't, then this is the time that which you need to start to negotiate and to see where you are. Absolutely. And in terms of negotiation, I wanted to ask, what is it like? Obviously, you're dealing with bankers and lawyers in these scenarios. Why would somebody come to you guys at, at EU Property Solutions as opposed to maybe trying to negotiate themselves? One is a slightly controversial one, which is banks lie. In terms of their debt recovery, they tell them they can't do things and things can be done. It's not in their interest to, to resolve sometimes these situations. Mm. And the other one, you need to understand, which we have over time, we've been doing it in earnest for about 10 years now, is understanding the market, part of the legal processes. So, for instance, in Spain, it still takes four years to repossess a place. Wow. At the earliest. With that backdrop, then you go to the bank and say, what do you want to do? Do you want to repossess it? Do you want to talk? Do you want to... And it's, it's understanding the nuances. You go to Cyprus. Fortunately, we have a brilliant legal man in Cyprus that we work with. And it's understanding the courts because it's totally down to the courts. They have laws, but it depends what literally what side uh, the judge would have got out of bed that day. And it's, it's that, it gets down to being pretty granular, some of these cases, in knowing what's actually going on. So how do clients find you? Uh, we, we, we've got quite a good, uh, we've got a communications team here where we're always reaching out. We, so we, we do a lot of out on Facebook, but we, we my, always my favourite, I'm sure it's the same as any businessman or woman, is referrals are the best. And so we're pretty fortunate like that. People genuinely have nightmares. We've got a huge thing in terms of EU is trust because very often our clients are English-based, obviously, in the main and they don't trust Johnny Foreign anymore. And part of it's a little bit of bricks and everything else. So our job is to say, right, okay, we've got to, we've got to get across that trust. So we've got some very strong, genuine uh, video testimonials on our, our website when people are in bad places and some of this stuff. And we're you know, always welcome to our website, eupropertysolutions.com. Uh, we, we don't charge to talk. People have done very well in the rest of life, and they just got this one piece of stone in their shoe, if you like. And we go off the plane with a few too many... Uh, Prosecco's on board and bought a place, uh, <laughs> bought a place in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think it's that sort of people, you know, used to go away on a stag night or on oh, a holiday yeah. and wake up with a tattoo. I suppose now you wake up with a, a, full, a fully booked... <laughs> set, set of keys in your pocket, what are these for? <laughs> Excellent. So what I want to ask as well is that in your books, which and we're going to come back to those just a little bit later, you allude to an almost conspiracy-like collusion between banks, lawyers, property vendors in creating a culture of greed over the the way the property sold, um, especially maybe in Europe and in other countries. In your opinion, is that culture still there? Nowhere near as bad. I'd say it'd be down to say, at the, at the time it was right, it was, if you call that 100%, because the, the, the method was to buy a mountain, stick 500 villas on it, when I say villas, it's too big, a pool that's just bigger than a bath and that sort of carry on. Mm. Uh, loaded up with furniture, 120% mortgage, solicitors, notaries, develop everyone. It, like I said, everyone at the top of these bags. Then you go to Cyprus and there was a massive mis-selling situation where you had Swiss francs, which were uh, which have absolutely brutalised some people because the Swiss franc is so strong. Uh, so that all of that's gone on. There's still issues in the banking system, though. There's one, for instance, where a bank still makes ads 
full value of a life insurance policy, which you must take to get to their mortgage to get their mortgage onto the mortgage amount advanced. So if you borrow two fifty to buy a three hundred grand place, uh, and they have a forty grand life insurance policy, that goes straight on. It's not paid on a monthly basis. Whoa. That's just been overturned in the Supreme Court in Madrid, but that's what happened. Uh, and the, 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 the banks aren't great. To this day, they're not great. Right? And we say that to them. We're not, uh, we don't do it on a personal level, very uh, further up the chain, but you know, we, we, we get on with them, but we, they are what they are. It's like anything, I guess. I suppose when you're dealing with people, that you've got to, you guys are there effectively to level the playing field because. In, in real practical terms, would you say that your clients usually have the odds stacked against them? They do. But again, I'll go back to my previous bugbear. Very often, they don't know options. Not saying there are. It's, from our angle, right? If somebody is, polite phrase, they're goosed financially, right? Mm. You're goosed. Okay. If you've left it too late in the day, they're going to repossess my house tomorrow. What can you do? You know, we're not Paul Daniels, but we're not going to be able to magic something back up. It's, you know, they, they are where they are. But I still go back to it's relevant advice. Technically, I am nowhere near being a solicitor. Commercially, the streets ahead. We get involved in some litigation cases. And it's, we, we, we just want to cut to where somebody is. We want to tell you how bad it can be and what we think we can go from. from there. Going back to the, the hashtag, you know, the worst, cheap, the best. Because people's minds get befuddled. You've got, uh, say you're in Spain, you've got a Spanish solicitor telling you this, it can do it, and it can do it half the price we say it. Daddy, 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 I promise you this, I know the judge. All this, it's all been trotted around. We say, go, go do it, but we're here if it goes wrong. Yes. And it's just, you just, whatever it takes. There's a book I've been reading, Tony Robbins' Life Force, right? And he's questioning doctors all the time. Not to be a pain, but, you know, if we, we should remember, solicitors give advice, we give instruction. You give instruction as a client. Understand the situation. Mm. And that, that's where the difficulty is. I think sometimes I've had to deal with lawyers mm -hmm. in a debt recovery situation who haven't been paid by their clients. And I sp I've spent a lot of my time in the legal profession, so... I can see it from both sides. But lawyers do have a reputation for not necessarily always being as upfront with their client mm -hmm. because they have to choose between the commerciality, let's run this case and see what happens. Because have you ever seen a case that's appeared in the newspaper or on TV and you thought, how did that case ever get to court? It's complete I'm nonsense. Sorry. I'm sorry. You know. Even the layperson could work out this was complete and utter nonsense. But some yeah. lawyer took it on and gave somebody the impression that they could win, knowing full well that they were going to run up a massive amount of costs and not mm -hmm. going to win anything. But the problem is, is obviously that lawyer would still be having their hand out. And I'm not saying this is for the whole of the legal profession. No. Because, you know, as, you know, I can't say that because there are lots of people in the legal profession I think are absolutely amazing at what they do. Absolutely. But I think there has to be a clear distinction where if you are a good lawyer, are you able and strong enough to say to a client, do not do this, this is going to hurt you. Yes. This is going to hurt you financially, it's going to hurt you emotionally, it's going to hurt you psychologically. Sometimes it's the yeah. best thing is to just walk away. Absolutely.
And you, you, get, you get that spectrum. I'll give you, uh, there's a phrase my senior partner used to use about solicitors. This is a bad side. He said, solicitors are on this earth for one reason or one reason only, and that is to earn fees. In the off charts, they help with the clients. That's merely a byproduct. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, other side, the other side of the spectrum, very uh, in line. And if you, there you say, is in the main a good solicitor, but as long as they can be commercial. A glaring lack of commerciality, I find, in, in any form of litigation, divorces especially. When people come to you, a lot of that is based on the fact that you are going to react and deal with them in a way that is actually specific to their particular problem. Absolutely. That's all you can do. As you say, you go back to the general approach to things. It doesn't work. There are, there are nuances. We have clients on paper could have high net worth, but we've an instance there where there's a terrible punch up in the family. You know, very often that happens about you know who's going to get what and everything else. You know, you, you've got to get you've got to get into the minutiae. And going back to your, your the point you brought up, the, the psychology of the situation is so important as well. It, it's not it doesn't solve financial issues, but you've got you you've got to be. Is is somebody strong enough? Is somebody is somebody spinning us a web? Right, we're not going to take them on. We would not take anybody on as a client who we don't like. If somebody says, right, yeah, that's quite a good case, but he, excuse my French, he's a bit of a dick. I say, well, if he's a bit of a dick now, it's not going to get better when, when the punch up starts. Every case is different. Similar technique, but every case is different. That's why I love what we do. Your point about taking on clients that you genuinely like. My attitude has always been is that I'm going to give you possibly three months, maybe six months of my life Uh pursuing monies that I'm not going to get back. I'm not going to get the 100% of your outstanding invoices or late payments. So if I'm going to devote my life to recovering a percentage of what's owed to you when it's not my fight. Mm-hmm. I need to like you <laughs> because there's, no, there's nothing worse than being in a position and saying to yourself, well, I don't think that you're actually a genuine person. And, you know, for us, it, it, at times it's lost as business, but I'm quite happy with that because if I'm going to be speaking to you off and on for three to six months, I need to, I need to like you. <laughs> I need to. Yeah. I need to believe in you. That's the key thing. I need to believe in you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it, it's, it's keeping. So going back to what we do, we have a strategy, right? It will change massively. But you get some some clients, and it will be polite and say they're not genuine. Suddenly, Google's their new best friend, and they know everything. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you if you Google something you really want to suit your argument, you'll find it out there. Oh yes, without there'll a be, doubt. There'll be some some mangrove corn in Arkansas had a case that confirmed exactly the same as mine. Okay, cool. Yeah, so let, let's go. Let's go and tilt at that windmill. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny. You always use Arkansas, and I always use Arkansas as well. So it's quite. It's, the, the, anyway, anyone from Arkansas? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's my. I do have some American listeners, and I hope it's great. But <laughs> Arkansas, you know, there's nothing, nothing negative again. We love you. There's no hate, as uh, as you Americans no, no, like no. to say. No hate. No. Hate. First, 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 in, first in the alphabet. We're taking it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now we're going to move along to the section that we refer to as what are you like, where we talk more about you as an individual in terms of the things that you like when you are not doing your best for your clients at EU Property and um, Bell & Company. So 
the first thing we're going to look at is the book. Um, so we've got a couple of books that you've chosen. You've chosen, and I don't know if you remember these, the, the first book that you've chosen is David Coggins' Can't Hurt Me. I've never heard of that. Tell me about that one. David Goggins is uh, an amazing man. He's a SEAL. Um, if your ears or those of your families are sensitive, don't listen to Audible. Um, he's, he's very one, a guy there. And, uh, a little bit of classical, terrible child, awful upbringing. It was the first Army SEAL. And it, I just find him an amazingly inspiring guy. To the extent he does a challenge where, and we've done it for two years and we can do it out third year this year and last year for me, where you run or walk, but walk fast, a yomp, four miles every four hours for 48 hours because you're, you're testing how far you can push yourself. Wow. You're taking yourself a huge comfort touch. Grown men cry. I'm fortunate. My only attribute in the ability in this is that I'm insomniac, so I don't need so much sleep. Whereas, it, 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 and brilliantly, we do it for NSPCC, and it's that sort of stuff. And he's very strong on what he calls it callousing. Mm-hmm. So he's got the world record for pull-ups. He's, he's a man's man's a nutter, <laughs> an absolute nutter, right? I think he'd accept that. It was, uh, uh, but he says so to do his pull-ups, he has to do the callousing of the hands. Okay, but he says you have to do it with your mind as well. Of course. And that's why that, that challenge is, is frankly ridiculous. Walking it is brutal, right? Mm. Running it, I, I, I've done six runs out of 12. I'm trying to push that this year. No, no, no land speed records will be broken, but, you, but it's, it's a phenomenal challenge. And it's just something very good at pushing. I like, I like going a bit further, further out there if I can. So we're going to move on to your business book. And you've chosen Jay Abraham, Getting Everything You Can Out of All You've Got. Jay Abraham is brilliant and maddening. Jay Abraham tries to solve any business. There's something about the man. He's he's, he's bouldering on a, in a good way. I said uh, David Cobb is a nutter. He is a nutter. Uh, and you know, I'm pretty sure there would be any defamation suit there. He, uh, I think that'd be a badge of honor for him. He, whereas uh, uh, Jay Abraham's nearly like a mad professor looking for business solutions, looking for innovation. And it's just very, I actually got the book out again after, after I mentioned this uh, and started reading it again. There's so many simple things that you don't, you don't really go, oh, I don't quite get that, Jay. You'd have to run that again. It's so simple. You know, it's creating a really uh, efficient referral program. Referrals are so good. So good if you can get them. If you've done some, somebody, a good job for somebody or uh, an accountant, say, believes in what we do, it's such an endorsement to first off. And obviously that helps in there. But it's, it's just, a, just a good, good book to go to. Right. Excellent. I'll have a look at The actual that. title concludes, which goes into the time of what to do when things, when times are tough. That's the very okay. sort of short object. So in where we're going, I'd suggest we, we need new skills. The world's a massively changing place. We move on to your music selection now. And I was actually very impressed with this. Very impressed. Uh, Summer Song by Grover Washington Jr. Uh-huh. Uh, who is my favourite saxophonist. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Grover Washington Jr. on tenor and soprano, absolutely amazing. Uh, David Sanborn for me on alto sax. Uh-huh. Um, but uh-huh. yeah, Grover Washington Jr., what an amazing body of work. I, 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 you know, some people say, right, you know, it's like I'm on a certain age, what are you going to do at your funeral? I'm going to have this song played. No one that ever heard it before. 
it's quite hard to find. It is hard to find. It's hard to find. So I think I've got it in YouTube somewhere or something like that. Just, but I, I just love jazz funk. Was that age? I saw George Benson before. He was famous. I, uh, I didn't famous. know this. <laughs> I, I was the Hammersmith Odeon used to have a basement, and George Benson was so quite a few things, Crusaders stuff like that. So I don't know, most people don't know any of that. But but, but I like any music really generally yeah. any music you know, because it, because it's, it's, I always find it a great lift. Don't like it doesn't suit you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing because I, I do this stuff and when I'm here on the show and I'm doing and I see people's comments and what they send through or whatever the case may be, I'm just as much as a fan of the people that I invite on and that's why I invite them on because I like what they're doing and I, I, I observe what they're doing but also getting to know them as a person which is fantastic so this is good so the next one you've got here you've got the film and I make notes be- before I start the show and you've gone for The Godfather and I've just put dot 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 again and the reason why I, I, I say that is because I've been doing this show for years now, sometimes off and on. And mm-hmm. that is the most popular film for SME business owners. All right. Totally. It wins hands down amongst everybody. Every, every film that's been on there, at least I would say 70, 80% have chosen The Godfather. Right. Oh, just on this, right? I thought it was, I thought it was, I know it's a pop up, we all know it's a popular film. It sounds like a go to thing. I'm not a lover of films. Okay. And I had a perfect example of it the other night. My wife and I watched, she watched, put some on. She loves films, and that's cool, whatever floats your boat, right? But she can watch pretty average films. And we watched, I don't like it when you're disappointed at the end of a film. Yes. I've got a real, if it goes, and it was a classic, it was the American flag fluttering, and everything was going to be great. Oh, no, you know, the, here come the heroes. And, oh, God, it was terrible my life. I've just lost it. It was the last castle. <laughs> and then I thought, well, we'll watch it because you've got Robert Redford in it. A couple of other guys. It could be good. And it was as corny as hell at the end. And I yeah. cannot, but uh, I get really cheesed off with it. Really. <laughs> so, I, so I'm almost like scarred now for watching film for a while. Because my wife said, should we watch a film? No, because I've still got a bit of previous from that last <laughs> thing I watched. Too. I'm not a great film person. I'm big on, I'm massive on your podcast. I'm massive on podcasts. That's my preferred entertainment but usually business limited so it's fantastic so because we don't have that as a section apart from the cash flow show what would you recommend as an alternative business podcast to listen to anything that you that you find fascinating I, I particularly, uh, before I was even famous as well, not, I'm claiming all of this, uh, Stephen Bartlett is brilliant on Diaries of a CEO. Mm-hmm. I started listening to that quite a lot. I like Reid Hoffman, the guy uh, who set up LinkedIn, very erudite. Brilliant course, by the way, Masters of Scale. I think it's about $100. Mm. Great, great, great thing for, the, for, for your team members to do. Really good, really good stuff. Uh, most of our team have done it. Uh, and I like, and again, as my my uh, grandmother says, a bit Effie and Jeffy, but anything by Gary Vaynerchuk in America. <laughs> yeah, Gary, yeah, he's he's featured a couple of times on this podcast, not physically uh, himself. Um, uh, no. I'd have to have a bleep button going all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I said, very interesting guy. Very interesting. I find him very fascinating. I think. 
I think the effing and jeffing at the end of the day, I think it basically is his, uh, his authenticity, for want of a better word. Mm-hmm. But I do think that to a certain extent, the stuff that he puts out, it's very true. It's also incredibly simple. And when he tries to s- explain it to people, you've got, you know, some of his American audience, they just don't seem to get it. No. What you need to do, and I'll cut out the swearing, what you need to do yeah. is to go on to somebody's Instagram, look at their posts, like their posts and comment, like their posts and comment. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but do I have to do something like that? I've done 35 posts, Gary, and I haven't got one bit of business. No, yeah. Well, you know, what could I be doing wrong? You know, Come on, the guy said, you, you, you don't do it for a week and... <laughs> <laughs> but they, they don't get it either way. Either they go quiet when it's nearly offensive, but say about an, an industry, or they laugh and he's actually being funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> means it, he means it. He means it, exactly. He, he means it. And I think, as I said, I get what he's doing. As I said before, it, to me, it just sounds pretty simple, really. You just, yeah, if you follow it. Build a community. You, yeah. If you follow it and you follow it correctly and you just basically do what you say you're going to do, it it does work. I mean, you can build relationships with people like that. There's no two ways about it. Get people to notice you and so on and so forth. I mean, there's a gentleman that I talked to um, on uh, on LinkedIn, Olaf. Nice guy. I've never met him. I talk about recording and podcast equipment and all that type of audio stuff with him and so Uh on and so forth. Never met him, completely different industries, but at the end of the day, he likes my posts, I like his posts and so on and so forth. And we've developed a dialogue. But, but, But also as an aside, do you think that people don't necessarily want to develop relationships in business? Because what you do is very relationship led. Yeah, I think so. But again, it, it depends what you're what you're in. Okay, so social media has its place, and sometimes it can be brilliant. Social media. By the way, Gary Vaynerchuk is absolutely right. Only humans mess up social media. <laughs> yeah. Social media brilliant. They they make it a cesspit, not social media. Yes, good point. Sometimes sometimes the the big boys, the fangs, the Facebooks, the Amazons, etc. They they rev it up for sure, but yeah. it's still humans that mess it up. Uh, but in, in stuff can work on that brilliantly. What was it? There was a product the other day we were talking about, and it just because of social media it just blows. You know, you see what they can do. Not a fan, by the way. Love Island. You know, Trevor's wearing this week's t-shirt. Bang! Trevor's t-shirts flying out the door. Those yeah. t-shirts. So it has its place, but it's only a form of marketing. Of course, it is. We we, we do basic stuff. We do posts. You know, we do posts. We do social media. We, we have anyone point about seven or eight strands we work on. So you do that, but it's still. I was fortunate enough yesterday, I was in Manchester, I sat down with a solicitor, I said, gee, but this is so good, isn't it? We both know where we stand, we're against one another, but it was so, uh, so good, so good. It was the right relationship in every sense in that we we got on, but it gives both of our clients, I think, the best chance to actually get something from where we are. Oh, without a doubt. Rather than being confrontational, you know, Queensbury rules, you stand on that side of the newspaper and I stand on this side, that that will achieve nothing. Mm. And I think one of the worst things in the world are emails. I just see they're just uh, useless. I I say it's just like playing table tennis against the wall. Of course. And, you know, until you pick the phone up and work out what somebody's going to we get some, you get some people write the most awful email, professional email. We are going to do this. We're going to hang your client, cut them down, call to them, burn them in oil, go down, blah, blah, blah. and you ring them up. They're as nice as pie. And you, you just get the keyboard, keyboard warriors. <laughs> but it happens all the time. I think the problem with people who are involved in 
in sending emails. I think because people found that the emails were so cheap to send, so easy to send, a lot of people waste time on emails. You know, Zooms and Teams messages or, yeah. or whatever the case may be. I understand that there are benefits, especially if there's a distance. You're in Northern Ireland and say I'm in London. It makes complete sense. You can do that. But I think that you never really build a relationship with somebody 100% until you physically meet them. Very much so. And that, that, that won't come back completely from COVID, unfortunately. As a Mr. I spoke to the other day, he says he prefers the online hearings. I spoke to a very eminent uh, barrister in Northern Ireland. He says they're the worst things ever because you cannot assess the situation. Yes. If you just want to process, process a case, cool. Yeah, exactly. Deal with a case, you, can, you can't do it. We have to get that back because we are social animals despite what we're told and no conspiracy stuff but how we've been treated with COVID and lockdowns and everything else. You know, we're social animals. Totally. We, 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 a lot of people have got to relearn those skills. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, I went to a networking event a few months ago. No, it was literally about two or three months ago. My God, it was packed. Mm, good. There must have been 100 people in there. Absolutely packed it was. And people kind of, sort of hugging strangers going, oh, it's nice to see a human being, you know. It's, it's, it, it, it did go a bit weird. But, I mean, as I said, it will come back. And I think automating things in certain hearings, some basic hearings online, I think that will help, especially basic. If you've yeah. got, like, a non-defended claim or a procedural Absolutely. hearing, yes, that, that makes sense. I can see that because... It saves the court time, it saves people money, etc., etc., And it makes the whole process efficient. You don't get some solicitor or barrister jumping in front of you, basically saying, oh, I'll just be five minutes, and then half an hour they're yeah. still in the room. You know, the judge yeah. will say, right, you've had your time, off you go, sunshine. Goodbye. So speaking of books, and which I said that we'd come back to, your dear colleague, Damelia, yes. I want to give a big shout out to her. She's been absolutely amazing. Top lady. Was kind enough to send me a copy of Foreign Property Mortgage Nightmare and SME Debt Problems, two books, which as far as I'm concerned, are an absolute boon for prospective clients who wish to engage with you and find out what you are as a business. What made you choose to write those books? The EU one is, back to your thing, it, it's, it's confirming some of the conspiracies, uh, theories, because it happens, and it's happened, particularly it has happened. So and it hopefully it gives people uh, more context of where they are. And very often people are very, going back to being alone, in this situation, people feel pretty stupid. And it's almost like, we're not saying you're not alone, but just say, so you know, this is quite common, we're sharing this. We had a very sad case on an EU case where the first instance that the family knew that their uh, dearly departed uh, sister and daughter had any problems with debt was when they got a demand for 105,000 euro from a bank. Bloody hell. And it was going into the estate. And it says that, that CCC, if then we made a mistake, uh, our approach is right, sort of get over it and deal with it, sort of thing, you know, a bit, bit softer than that, get over it. The, the, the business side, it was basically, it's saying, right, it, it's trying to open up what we were saying earlier, it's the technicals, it's the tactics, it's the financials, 
and it doesn't ignore the emotions either. Uh, I talk in there about, I think you were saying there where you, you need positive people around you. I actually go so far and say, get rid of everyone that's negative in your life, in your life including family members. Mm. They're usually the worst. You know, great aunt Agnes, the last time I saw you, John, you had a Rolls Royce and now you're down to a mini. I, I told you you flew too near the sun, didn't I? Yeah, as long as you keep enjoying that, Agnes, that's great. <laughs> Just sod off. <laughs> and so it, I, I'm not, I try not to be rude, but I am forthright. And I just try and, and it, they're not, they're not great big, definitely. I don't, I think they, I think they're grandly called the book, they're between a book and a pamphlet. Yeah. But it's just trying to say, you know, you're not alone. It's, 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 this stuff goes on. There's a lot involved in this. Some, some cases are relatively straightforward. Others are just understand it and just feel things like question advice. You know, just do, just just question it. Just, but get your head right as well. It's not a great time, cool. But don't wake up every day going, "Oh, it's awful, it's awful." You know, you got to you got to try and deal with it exactly because that. It, it, and I think that also will be part of the consequence of COVID, where people won't be able to deal with uh, disappointment and stuff mm. like that. It's going to be a tough, tough few years, which doesn't give me any joy to say, generally. Yeah, of course, despite, because... Despite what we do. Exactly. So uh, I um, uh, was kind enough to, from Demelia to get uh, an extra copy of SME Debt Problems. So I'd like to give away, as a prize, a copy of SME Debt Problems. If someone can email us at the Cashflow Show Podcast at gmail.com that's the cash flow show podcast at gmail.com the answer to the question and the question is this what's terry's favorite drink if you've been listening this should be easy for you and you should get it in a matter of seconds if you haven't you may have to go back to the beginning so what's terry bell's favorite drink now let's move on to our current situation just be, just before you go on, oh, oh yeah you've got more than one favorite drink isn't it? <laughs> no, no, no. I just the way you said that. Though, I'm, I'm not functional alcoholic. No, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he likes the occasional drink with dinner. <laughs> yeah, any, any day with the wine. <laughs> so let's move on to our current situation. We've got Brexit. We've got COVID. Yep. We've got inflation. We've got loads of these Sibyls and Bibbles um, loans, which are the loans that the government co-signed and backed in relation to get the economy going during COVID and that have yet to be repaid. What do you see the future like for UK SMEs and business owners? Um, it's, it's a difficult backdrop. I'm not, not going to be negative with it because the world's, the world's still the best place ever, best time ever to be alive. And I fundamentally believe that but that doesn't help you your personal guarantee has been called today but again it goes slightly back to the mindset the backdrop with all those features there and not least the political idiots across the world and i won't spare anybody with that is it very different and it's taking control of your destiny whatever you're going to do if you're in a bad place try to deal with it as best you can so that you can move on and do something that's positive it's, you know, we, we get inundated. I saw a brilliant gif yesterday about, uh, and it was a spoof of the news. The news, the main story tonight, everything is awful. Moving on. The world's, so yeah, Brexit, Brexit uh, has, has, has scuppered the labour market for sure. That was compounded by COVID when uh, in, the, in the main, uh, we had a lot of East European workers here going home and stayed home, whatever went on. That wasn't great. I think the, the tough one is going to be, and I think it's going to take us, 
think it's going to be a real steady carry on at best for four years mm. because we've, we've got a lot to unravel with COVID, the, the, the minutiae, if you like, Beatles and Sibyls. I think inflation is going to be a brute, and I think there's a lot of bottled ups there, stuff there. And you've also got immense, uh, you know, we've become, a, we've become a worldwide economy that works on a just in time basis rather than actually holding stock. Mm. Yes, indeed. When a ship gets stuck in, in the Suez Canal and the, the boats, I think it was on the, on the Arab side of the canal, whatever the way it works, maybe the north side, whatever it is, there was £60 billion pounds worth of chips stuck, stuck out there. Oh. My wife's fortunate enough to just recently get a new car and that make aren't make, weren't making any of that week because of a shortage of seatbelts. <laughs> so it's, it's very complex and it's almost like you can spend your time especially being engaged with the mainstream media and uh, all the negativity you know you get on twitter or whatever that's usually given to us by people that contribute nothing to the, econ- the economy or business so it's, it's getting a grip of your own situation right what, what am I, have, have I, have I I've, I've been i don't know an entrepreneur for many years have I got to take almost like a, a paid post to get my stuff together? It's making your own decisions, making your own decisions with the best knowledge you can, you can accumulate with whatever's going on out there. It's tough. Yes, indeed. The Cashflow Show, coming to you from the city of London, real people, real business, real talk. Well, Terry, you obviously love your work at Bellin EU Property, but if you couldn't do that, what would you do? Uh, I would be unemployable. <laughs> and I don't mean that as I'm a complete rebel. I just, I just, I, just uh, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 whatever it takes where you can cut through to, to reality. I generally been told by a couple of, uh, who's a very good solicitor dead now, President John. Uh, he said I would have been a very good barrister. But yeah. he did add that I would end up with quite a few contempt of court charges because I'm sometimes <laughs> too, too, too emotive. But I, I don't really, I, I'm an accountant by trade. I'm not a very good accountant, but I can mm. destroy a set of accounts. I, I don't really know. Mm. I just enjoy what I do and I, I look for other opportunities and other products. And that, they're just a bit Gary Vaynerchuk, but just being like an entrepreneur. Yeah. And that's it. And sometimes, and most entrepreneurs are totally unemployable. Absolutely. That's why they stick at what they do. And when that, yeah. if that comes to an end or whatever, that's why, you know, six months later, oh, would you like to hear about my new business? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Without sounding like a complete lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, what does the next 12 months hold for Bells and EU property? What, what are your plans going forward? The ones that you can talk about? What we're doing here, we're making sure we've got our team completely right in terms of our structure, particularly our senior guys who are very good. It's, it's, it's getting getting that right, but obviously you have the day-to-day going on. We're looking at an AI project in terms of the use of insolvency data, how we reach out to people in, in hopefully not too invasive way. EU, we're always seeking data because there are still less than hundreds of thousands of these people stuck with these situations out there. So it's a bit of a general answer, but we're same as same as. I think we're going to organically, if we didn't do anything else, I think we're going to get more inquiries anyway. That isn't what we're about. We don't go. We want this percentage level of growth and everything else. We deal what we deal with. 
we deal with uh, our minimum sort of debt level is usually about 30,000. I was once involved in a case that involved 53 million. But that isn't for show. That's just zeros. It doesn't matter. And as long as we continue to do the right thing by the client, that'll do me. Obviously, we're coming to the end of the show today. We publish show notes. Yeah. So everybody will find all of these details in the show notes and they can be able to look you up and then basically, you know, find out where you are and connect with you there. Absolutely. So we've got your yeah. Twitter, we've got your Instagram, we've got your Facebook. So we've got it all. So if, for everybody looking to contact Terry and the people at Bell & Company and EU Property Solutions, all of the information that you require will be in the show notes. Sure, thank you. But I wanted to cap off. With, you're welcome. I wanted to cap off with one thing. You also have a, a, a podcast yourself that I've sort of um, uh, had a, a shift yet. Yeah, we doubled. Um, which is, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah like which, is, which is good. <laughs> which is, so your your podcast, let me bring it back up. Real Talk with Terry. Um, so that's, uh, uh, Terry Bell has his own podcast, which you can find on Spotify. And there's quite a few episodes there. Um, uh, with some very, very interesting people. There, and there some are a very, couple of good guys on there. There's one, one that's very good. He's, he's now retired from TV, a gentleman called David Buick. Very old school, sort of English chap, terrible nice chap. But very, uh, very in tune with what's going on at any one point. And another one who's, it was, uh, it was the chairman of the Gold Council. They, it, it, he's not the worst person to speak to, Clayton, for you as well. Really nice guy, David Tate. He's a massive uh, ambassador for the NSPCC. But as I say, chairman of the Gold Council, so he's he's, uh, he's up there, man. I say, so that's a good one. It's Robin Mould and uh, just another coach. Stuart's always entertaining. So, no, yeah. Yeah. But we, 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 we sort of dabbled in it. We were saying we're not near as, as uh, professional as you could self, sir. Thank you very much for your kind words. But it's, it's great that people have somewhere to go to to actually hear what you have to say and how you approach things. I do think that all of this is relationship building. You know, you, your book you know, your website, your podcast, all of these, there may be the seven touch points that business people Absolutely. talk about and that people need to make in order to, to purchase your um, service or to effectively build a relationship with you. And that's the key thing. And that, that's what I like about the work that you do at Bell and the EU, because you, you are building relationships. And I think that when you're dealing with people and money and their emotions and what goes with it, relationships are everything absolutely i would say just on it right i mean this is this sounds like an advertorial but it's not but if you do know somebody who has debt problems whatever form they take right do them a favor just, and not necessarily us listen to them and make all you do get the right advice if you want to use us that's cool if you don't if you find a brilliant solicitor cool but do somebody a favor if somebody is struggling don't leave them on their own with it don't listen to the moan 24-7, but just say, get on with it, I'm here if you help, because it's, it, it's, it, it can be a lonely carry-on. And that, we pick that up a lot. That really sums the whole conversation up for me, because I see so many people yeah. who, as you said, they, they are in pain because it's not nice owing money. No. It's not nice having the pressure of people when I was younger, I had a mortgage and it was a, the, when the rate was 15, 17%. Mm. I can't even remember how much I was paying. And it was just ridiculous. It was, it was horrific, basically. But the fact is, living to tell the tale, I was fortunate. The lady who had a flat opposite ours, she was there one minute and I saw her leaving. And she, I said, where are you going? She goes, I'm handing back the mm. keys. Can't be done. And that was it. Never saw her again. Mm. 
But so he's, he's, and you, like you say, you'll see the other side as well, obviously. And it's, uh, it's good to hear, because I'm looking at your website, it's a good, and it, it, it's, the, it's how you do it ethically as well. Yes, you've, you've got to be fair to people. Absolutely. You're a decent human being. I've been there, I know what it's like. If somebody doesn't have the right attitude, you will not be a client for me. No. Because the fact, as far as I'm concerned, I want my team and my colleagues working with people who do good work, but need to be rewarded for that work, but who want to retain their reputation. Absolutely. Because the business world is tiny. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Very much so. It's tiny. We're all so closely related to each other or literally one or two. LinkedIn has made sure that you're less than three connections away from most of the people Absolutely. that you want to meet. Absolutely. So Terry Bell, thank you very much for... Clayton, thank you. you. You know, you're most welcome. You know, really appreciate you telling us about Bell & Company and EU Property Solutions. When you are around in London, let's meet up, have a drink. And, oh, okay, no drink, no drink. Let's not, don't, we don't, we don't want to oh, talk yeah, about yeah, drink. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll yeah. catch up with you later. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, look forward to seeing you then. And I just hope that people who are experiencing difficulties do make that leap and contact yourself or someone similar absolutely wherever they go in order to basically give them a peace of mind do something thank you very much anyway what we're going to do now is just to play out with our outro and take it from there cheers cheers okay we've come to the end of the cash flow show for today but i would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge wisdom and insight if you loved what you've heard on this week's episode please head over to apple podcasts or spotify podcasts and leave a five-star review and feedback as it really does help whilst you're there listen to some of our other episodes which you are bound to enjoy we want to make this the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world and spreading the word really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things be sure to join us next time for real people, real business, real talk.